You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much, God, for the wonderful privilege that is ours to be here this morning, God, and be able to open the Word of God, to be able to worship together, to be able to share your blessings and also share our burdens and lift one another up. And we thank you for that. And I pray that you'll bless in this our time together. In Jesus' name, I do pray. Well, I want to preach kind of through chapter 1 and chapter 2. Don't be worried. I'll try to just kind of cover these in a survey format. And I want to get to this point of the messages. I've come to take you home. But before I get there, uh, as we consider verse 2, as you can probably figure out right away, you did not misread that. Uh, This is about a prophet and a prostitute. A prophet and a prostitute. But it's really about the grace, the grace of God and the way he deals with his wayward people. Uh, I feel like I'm going to do this message a little bit backwards because uh, I'm really going to take application from this message rather than preaching the interpretation. Uh, do not be deceived. Some people mistakenly will say something along the lines of, well, there's many interpretations of the Bible. Well, there's only, true, only, true, only one true interpretation of the Bible, but there's many applications to a, to a portion of Scripture. It can be applied many ways, but there's one interpretation of Scripture, and the interpretation of Hosea belongs to the, the, the nation of Israel. Uh, they're wondering, they're going away from God and their future restoration. And folks, God is not done with Israel yet. Uh, not only does, is that clear from biblical teaching, but folks, you'd have to be pretty blind uh, to look around even uh, in, in the last uh, 100 years to believe that God is done with Israel. So this morning we are going to uh, look at the application of this rather than, and we'll refer to Israel a few times, but one of the great things we see about this in this illustration, yesterday I mentioned during the wedding how that God ordained the home, He ordained marriage uh, to be an illustration and a lesson to us of His love for us. The Bible says, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. So what it tells us and shows us is how that God wants to have a relationship with you and with me. And deep down inside, every person, whether they realize it or not, wants to have a relationship with God. Unfortunately, too many times they've been given the wrong picture of God or they've been given a, a misrepresentation of God. And that, that really uh, burns my hide. It really does. I hate that. It makes me mad when I see uh, religion portray God in such a way that turns so many people away. But God wants to have a relationship with us. And that's what we see here. So we see, number one, when we look at this, God told Hosea, I want you to go marry a prostitute. I want you to make her your wife and to bring her home. Now, uh, I'm impressed with what Hosea does. The Bible says in verse 3, so he went and he took Gomer. Not only was she a prostitute, but her name was Gomer. Doesn't help things any. Uh, God says go marry this woman named Gomer. What is God trying to teach through this? Well, number one, God's trying to teach Israel that you were an idolatrous people. You were a people in the land of Ur when I called Abraham out that was, uh, that was given over to idolatry. But I came to you and I brought you out to be a people, not just to be a people to set you above all people. No, I set you out to be a light to all people. And it's the same thing that God does to us today. He comes and seeks us out. Listen. 
listen, to think about the grace through the grace of God, she was sought. Folks, she was lost, but she was loved. She was lonely, but she was longed for. Oh, my friend, if you just think a moment, think about how God came to us in our sin. The Bible says, Jesus said, I come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Amen. He said, I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. Oh, how wonderful. He comes to those, not to those that are all cleaned up and shiny. Folks, He comes to the lowest of the low. He comes to the, to the deepest of the depths. And folks, He reaches way down, amen, uh, to save lost sinners. God shows us this same mercy, this same grace. I love how the Bible says how that this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Amen. I like what the Bible says when it talks about being brought up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and how he set our feet upon a rock and established our goings and, and put a song in our mouth, even praise to our God. Aren't you glad that God saves sinners? Amen. You better be because that's what we all are, amen? The Bible says we're all just a bunch of sinners uh, that's been saved by the grace of God. But I'm glad God loves sinners, amen? And listen, He doesn't love sin, but He loves sinners. And He wants to save sinners. And just like Hosea went and married this woman, it shows us the grace of Almighty God. Hey, let me ask you a question this morning. Do you remember where you were when Jesus saved your soul? Do you remember where Jesus rescued you from? And I know sometimes it's harder if you're a person that was... It's, I hope that you can see if you were lost in some deep, dark religion and a deception. I hope you can see how much of a miraculous thing it was for God to bring you out of that. Because sometimes you can say, oh, well, it wasn't so bad for me. I was raised in this particular religious home, even though we didn't hear the true, true Christ and true gospel and so forth. But, you know, uh, we were raised clean living and so forth. Yeah, but just think about the darkness of deception you were in. It took God's grace to come reach you out of that. And for those that God went to the depths to get, and I, I still think about this, and, 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 I, and I've got to refer to it today, especially with uh, my family being here, because they know... Uh, when I talk, I, sometimes I mention Greasy Corner around here and not, people up here don't know Greasy Corner. But listen, I want you to know something. Jesus Christ, the Lord, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God, He came to Greasy Corner. 305 South King Street, He came over there to save my soul. Hosea had to go get this woman. And folks, I'm glad Jesus came and got me. And I'm, I'm glad that He came and He got you. And if you're not saved this morning, I'm glad He will come get you. Amen. Amen. I'm glad that we do not have a God that draws a line somewhere and says, if you can make it here, I'll do something for you. And by the way, that's how some churches operate. If you can make it to this point, you clean up that language, you clean up the way you're living, and then we can do something for you. Oh, no, no, no. I'm glad, hallelujah, He came to where we was. Amen. Jesus will come where a lot of other people don't want to come. Amen. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Amen. I, I mean, someone's looking at me like a calf looking at the new gate. Amen. Just, do you remember being saved by God's grace? The Lord rescuing you. Amen. Coming where you were. Hallelujah. Through grace, she was sought. Amen. What a good God. Think about where He brought you from. Think about where you may be today had it not been for the grace of Almighty God. Oh, my friend. And in chapter 1, each character introduces and teaches us something about the grace of God. I'll try to give them to you quickly. Notice here, first of all, the children teach us about the grace of God. They had children. 
The Bible says in verse 4, And the Lord said unto him, Call his name Jezreel. For yet a little while, and I will avenge the blood of Jezreel, Jezreel upon the house of Jehu. And go down with me, if you would please, to verse number 6. And she conceived again and bare a daughter. And God said unto him, Call her name uh, Loruhamah. For I will no more have mercy upon the house of Israel, but I will utterly take them out. And then notice verse number 9. Then said, God, call his name. This is the third uh, child, the son. For ye are, uh, call his name Loami. For ye are not my people, and I will not be your God. Now, you say, that pictures the grace of God? Notice what these names mean, though. Jezreel means God sows, or God scatters. Loruhamah means unpitied. Unpitied. And Loami means not my people. You say, how does that teach us about the grace of God? Well, this is teaching us about the nation of Israel, but it teaches something about ourselves as well. What he is doing, he is speaking to a nation. And he is speaking to a people who after God has done these great things for them, willingly, knowingly turn their backs on this great gracious God. And because what you'll find out in this chapter as Gomer goes back, she leaves Hosea. Hosea came and rescued her. Hosea came and saved her from this life. But you know what she did? She went right back to that life. And what he's saying is that's the way Israel did. And that's why they've been under judgment. But I'm telling you, that can happen to God's people as well. Their names, Jezreel, God sows or scatters. And literally what the, the, the idea that God had there was you've sown and I'm gonna, you're going to reap and I'm going to sow judgment upon you because of your sins. And he said, uh, Lo Ruhamah means unpitied. And then Lo Ami, not my people. See, the people made a decision to turn their backs on the Lord. One thing you got to understand about God is that He loves us. Number one, He loves us too much to enable our rebellion. Some people get upset because God will not enable our rebellion. We cannot expect that we're going to turn our backs on God and do contrary to what God has clearly spoken to us to do and then expect God to bless it. That's what we do sometimes. Lord bless this. Lord bless this. It's like God's, God's like, I want to bless you. I want to bless you, but you need to walk in the path of blessing. You can't, you can't turn your back and do contrary to what I'm trying to tell you to do and expect to be blessed. And so he loves us too much to enable us in our rebellion. Something else I want you to understand is this. He loves us too much to rob us of our will. God gave Israel every chance. He kept being merciful, kept being merciful. They would turn. He would get them back, turn. And He did everything He could to say, no, please, I want to stay in this relationship. I want us to stay close. I want, I want this joy to continue. And He, he compares it to an adulterous wife. It, it, it's, it's a picture of a man that's trying to do everything he can, but to a woman that's just walking out that door and he can't do nothing to keep her. Well, what do you want him to do? Do you want want Hosea to go pay the rent for him, uh, for her and her new lover? Well, does he not love her? Why wouldn't he do that? What do you mean, why wouldn't he do that? That's that's ridiculous, is it not? And that's that's the the picture. So what God's trying to say is this. Since you've made this decision, I'm going to allow you to reap the judgment. 
And Loami, unpitied, he says, I'm going to have to say, I know that this judgment, you learning some hard knocks, you hitting rock bottom because of your decision is going to help teach you. See, God's not going to make us do right. But I've got good news. The bad news is, I mentioned that we were sinners. God saved us from our sins. But I want you to know something else. Uh, Man, we're still sinners. We're just sinners saved by grace. And you know what? We have a habit of going back. We've got a habit of sometimes our hearts drifting and our lives drifting away. But I'm glad, so glad this morning that we've got a God. That we have a Savior that is merciful. Sorry if I'm blowing you out back there. I think he's trying to adjust it. But uh, we've got a God that's merciful. We've got a God that does not say, well, so much for that. So much for them. Oh, no, no, no. See, this is the grace of God. Because notice what the Bible says. Notice what the Bible says here in verse number 10. The Bible says, Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea. Uh, and uh, let's see here. Verse number 10, chapter 10, verse 1. Uh, which shall not be numbered. So it begins to talk about how God is going to bless them. Their number is going to be as the sand of the sea. They are being judged. The judgment is coming down on them. But in grace, I am going to... Uh, to, to be merciful on them. In grace, I am going to bless them. Now, if you go over to chapter number 2, verse 1, you begin to see the grace part continued. He says this, Say ye unto your brethren, notice this now, Ami, and to your sisters, Ruhamah. You see what God did right there as He dropped the low. And what the low, a good way to remember what that low means is low kind of means no. Low means not. Because lo harame means not, uh, lo harame means not, uh, or I'm sorry, unpitied. It means unpitied or unloved. Lo ami means not my people. But so rahama means pitied. It means loved. It means this. That when God sees us reaping the sad consequences of our sin, it breaks the heart of God. See, we are sadly mistaken when we only think of, of sin as breaking God's law. It's not some, it is breaking God's law, but folks, it's breaking God's heart. And, 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 and so it means that, she, that God was broken. So, uh, so we see Ruhamah. But then we also see Ami. The low is dropped off of low Ami, and it's Ami. What does that mean? It meant not my people, but now it means my people. And God said they're going to be as the, blessed as the sand of the sea. You know what that means? It comes back to Jezreel. He said, just as you went off, you made the decision to go into sin. But I'm making the decision to come get you. I'm making the decision because you are my people. And I do love you. And I'm going to come and do what it takes to get you home. I'm going to do, I mean, the grace of God. I love what the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 20. The Bible says, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. See, God's grace literally comes calling. So he's saying literally here, who is asking, who's asking Gomer to come home? They're literally saying this, my people, come home. My love, come home. 
That's what these voices are saying in chapter 2 because they go to ask their mom to come home. Can you imagine that? These kids saying, Mom, would you just please return? Could you just please come back? How could a mother deny those, those big eyes, those big tear-filled eyes and those dirty faces looking up at her saying, Mama, would you come home? Would you please come home? Daddy sent us. Daddy wants you back. We want you back. Mom, it's not the same without you. Would you please come home? Isn't it something that the love that we have for our mothers? It's amazing. You know, somebody said this one time, even mean men love their mothers. Amen. And even mean men can love mean mothers. Oftentimes they just come. But can you imagine what would it take for this woman, for Gomer to say, you kids get out of here. Me and my boyfriend's got something we're going to go do. Me and my other boyfriend's got some other things we got going on. Will you get out of here? Can you imagine that? But see, that's the picture that God's trying to give us. When we go off into sin, it's not that God's coming down with a lightning bolt like Thor and just going to throw it down on you. No, He's coming in grace. The Bible says the goodness of God leads thee to repentance. Now there is, we do reap wrath and judgment because of these things, but it's these sweet voices that's coming to us. It's these tender eyes that's coming to us. And, and deep down inside, anybody know what I'm talking about? You get away from God. You get into a place where you're not supposed to be. And hallelujah, aren't you glad there's the sweet, uh, still, small voice of the Holy Spirit of God that will come back and says, My son, my daughter, I love you. Jezreel means scattered. And it meant that God was going to scatter judgment. But now it means I just want to scatter blessings on you. I just want to scatter grace on you. I mean, literally, it has the idea of sowing. And they would use the broadcast method of sowing to where they'd reach into the bag and grab a handful and just toss it all out. Let me tell you something, folks. What God wants to do, even with Gomer right here, with Israel, and what God wants to do with you, because you are His person. You are His child. He does love you. He just wants to come along and scatter a bunch of grace all over He wants the seeds of love and grace. And Boy, we've got a good God this morning. Let me tell you something. If we didn't have a God of a second chance this morning, by the way, we say that. Now, every time I say we've got a God or I hear that we've got a God of a second chance, I've got to stop and think, I'm glad that's not all. I'm glad that's not all. Oh, my friend, He's the God of chance after chance after chance. What a good God. Because why? Because you're His child. He loves you. Oh, preacher, you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. If you're God's child, you're God's child. He loves you. He wants to scatter grace upon your life. And if you're here today and you're not saved, you may not be His child, but He wants to make you His child. It doesn't matter how far you've gone. He will save you. Where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. That's to say this, sin may be this much, but God's grace is even greater. God's grace is greater, as the songwriter said, than all of our sin. Amen. So we see the grace of God in these children. We see God's grace as we look at these children. In Gomer, we see something about God's holiness. God's holiness. Notice uh, chapter uh, chapter 2, verse 2 of Hosea. Hosea, here's where he says to go plead with your mother. Plead, for she's not my wife, neither am I her husband. Let her therefore put away her whoredoms out of her sight and her adulteries from between her breasts. And see, one of the things you've got to understand is in, in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament, uh, adultery is a picture of idolatry. Because really, uh, 
Idolatry is spiritual adultery. See, God called Israel his wife. Jesus Christ calls the New Testament church his bride. And see, the difference with us as God's people is we are, uh, we are betrothed to be married, so to speak. I mean, the dowry's been paid. The price has been paid. But often in that ancient culture, there, the, 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 what we would call the engagement period was a lot stronger than what it was today. Michael and Hannah got engaged uh, a year ago. Well, listen, to break that engagement off wouldn't have been that hard, legally speaking. I don't know if y'all knew that or not. Been out too late, but... <laughs> But in this New Testament culture, you got to understand something. This was the, the, the engagement period was just as binding as the marriage itself. It was considered marriage. Do you remember Mary and Joseph? The Bible says that Mary was Joseph's wife, his espoused wife. Now, that doesn't mean that they moved in together. It doesn't mean any of that. It means that literally what we would think of as engagement, it was agreed upon. What did he begin to do? He, while she was still at home, still at home he went to, to go prepare a place for her. Amen. And when he would get that place prepared, he would come back and then they, he would bring her into his home and it would be official. They would consummate the marriage and everything. But folks, that's much like us. When we accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, it's official. We are the bride of Christ. Amen. We belong to the Lord. And we're, we're, we're just as good as in heaven. The Bible says we're in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Amen. But listen, he's going away to prepare a place for us and he's coming again. Amen. But in the meantime, we need to be true to him. We need to be faithful. Gomer was not faithful to Hosea. She turned her back. And so what we find out is that Hosea is preeminently known as the prophet of love. And as the prophet of love, always understand this, anything that claims to be love that minimizes the holiness of God is not love. Amen. We're told that God is love and that's true. But the same writer that tells us that God is love tells us also that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. That speaks of God's holy love. See, love is just not a sentimental feeling that condones and pampers uh, sin and rebellion. That's ridiculousness. It reminds me, I, I, you know, we're, we're going to utilize these uh, screens uh, initially to the, to the full extent. But, uh, but I'd love to show you today this little uh, image that I saw that was pretty cool. It was an illustration of sugar-coated preaching. And it showed a man's hand reaching up out of the water as if he were drowning. And it was just the man's hand reaching. And then it, then it showed the sugar-coated preacher's uh, hand reaching out to grab a hold of his hand. And when it got close, it went in this. Reach your hand out, Richard. Oh, my goodness. Amen. Is that not right? Man, it's great. You know, just keep on that way. After all, where sin abounds, God, God's grace much more abounds. That's not what it means. Amen. People, sin is, destroy, sin is destroying people. Right. Sin is destroying homes. It's destroying lives. We don't want to cheer that. We want to, we want to be able to reach that hand and say, where's hope for you? There's hope for you to be rescued from this sin. And that's what God's holy love is. So uh, in the Old Testament, again, I mentioned that prostitution and adultery symbolizes idolatry and unfaithfulness to God. And, and, and the three things that she was the most guilty of, and I'm just going to give them to you very quickly, is idolatry, ingratitude, and insincerity. 
idolatry, putting other things before the Lord. And Israel was a very idolatrous nation. Uh, and they, they, they would worship idols instead of worshiping their true God. Let me tell you something about faithfulness. How would you, we're talking about God's given the illustration of marriage. How many of you want your mate to be faithful? Anybody? Few of you do. I'm praying for the rest of you. We're not that kind of people around here, just so you know, okay? Uh, we're faithful, amen? And we want our spouses to be faithful. All right? And so, uh, and there's just some of you just got that spirit, don't you? He said to do it. I'm not raising my hand. All right. But uh, anyway, raise your hand. You want your, you want your spouse to be faithful. Now, how many of you would just be so glad to hear? Wouldn't it be just such a blessing if I come home and told Melanie today, honey, I just want to let you know I am 90, I'm faithful to you 90%. I mean, you've got me, babe, 90%. Oh my goodness, you know, just her heart would flutter and, uh, you know, I mean, what a blessing. I'm so, uh, folks, you know, and by the way, that's also for these, uh, and, and it's an ignorant statement to make, well, you know, the Bible says all things in moderation. Number one, that's right. I guess that's right after the verse that says cleanliness is next to godliness, amen, over in the book of Hezekiah, because neither one of those are in there. Okay? Uh, so that's not in the Bible. Uh, all things in moderation. I had a friend of mine, he had a, he had a lady tell him, that, tell him that one time, and she says, well, ma'am, he said, he said ma'am, ma how would you feel if your husband committed adultery in moderation? <laughs> all things in moderation. Oh, no, I mean, listen, 90% faithful doesn't get the job done. And what he's trying to teach us in that is this. I'm telling you, I'm, I fear that the average Christian, the average churchgoer, they think that's great. Lord, I'm 90% faithful to you. And, and we think God's just going to say, oh my goodness, that's such a blessing. Well, no, we need to be totally faithful to the Lord. So uh, idolatry, but not only idolatry, but ingratitude. It's interesting when you study the history of Israel. Instead of thanking the true God uh, for, their, for His blessings of food, water, clothing, the nation would thank false gods. And then they would use the gifts that God gave them to serve idols. What ingratitude is that? Using the things that God gave them to worship idols. We can, do, we can be guilty of the same things. God would provide rain for the children of Israel. And you know what they would do? They would give the credit to Baal. Baal was the rain god. See, it's God who gives us power to earn wealth and to enjoy the blessings of life. We must thank Him. Amen? So there's ingratitude. Folks, may God help us learn not to be an ungracious people. A lot of people do not think it's a big deal to be unthankful. A lot of pe think, people seem to think it's okay just to bellyache and gripe over every last thing there's happened. You've got to raise, hey, that's great. Yeah, but now I've got to pay more taxes. <laughs> You've got a good report at the doctor, good news. Yeah, but now they just don't know what's wrong with me. Oh, look, man, there's not a cloud in the sky. Did you not see that one over there? I mean, some people. The Bible commands us to be thankful. I'm telling you, there are some people that are experts, man. They're, they, they're experts. They're Eeyores, you know. They're experts at finding out. They can find the dark in everything. They can find the gray in every silver lining. I want, you, I want to let you know something. That's really not okay. 
I understand that that can be a personality defect. It really can. But I'm telling you, by the grace of God, God will help you to overcome that. You know why? Because it's wrong. It's wrong to go around like that. And I mean, I'm not saying we're not all a little negativity, but I'm just talking about those that are just unthankful. I mean, just take a moment. I, I said this to a guy the other day. You know, at work, I don't know if y'all's work is like this for you, those of you that work. Uh, but at work, uh, there's people, it just seems like part of the job description, I've said it before, is when they are giving you the interview, and they'll, they, it seems like one of the qualifications is, and by the way, let me ask you this last question. How good of a complainer are you? Oh, I can complain really good about everything. You're hired. I mean, we, I mean, you know, we could just, these people complain. And I said to this one guy one day, and he just, he was just in one of those moods. And, and I said, well, you know, I said, I said, man, I said, it could be worse, pal. <laughs> I'm like, I tell you, for one thing, you idiot. You're here in good health, getting paid good money to do a job. I said, you're not in the gulags of North Korea somewhere or in Siberia. And I said, man, you've got a good wife and a, and a, and a son and, 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 man, and a home paid for. And man, you're, Be sure about that? Be thankful, amen? I mean, I don't know what it is. Why do people got... Be thankful. I understand that there's negativity. But what we need to learn to do, I love what the psalmist said. He said, I will. I wish you'd read the psalms and read the times that he says, I will. You know what he said, I will? Because don't you know something? Thankfulness is a matter of the will. You can only think one thought at a time. Did you know that? And God will empower us through the Word of God and the Spirit of God to control what we're, allowed, what, 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 what we're thinking. We let our thoughts run awry and we dwell on the negative. Only one thought at a time can we think. So think a good thought, amen? If we think a good thought, we'll be thankful, amen? We can be thankful and say, you know what, man? This does stink right now, but you know what? At least God's good. At least I'm on my way to heaven. Hey, are you saved? If you're saved, you say, I don't know what I can thank God for. And by the way, I hope you're not one of them people. I don't think it could get any worse. Oh my goodness, are you serious? It could get a lot worse. But you know what? I've got to just stop and think every time. There's times where I felt like I didn't have much to praise God for. There's times where it felt like everything's falling apart and, and my life isn't right and my dreams are falling apart and everything else. But you know what? You want to know something? There's a God in heaven that loves me. There's a God in heaven that loved me enough to save my soul. There's a Savior that loved me enough to come shed His blood on an old rugged cross for me. And He paid the price for me. And let me tell you something, folks. No matter what may happen in this life, my soul is saved. My eternity is sure. And I'm on my way to heaven. Amen. And the Lord may return today. So you know what I can do? It doesn't matter if everything in this world's falling apart. The Bible says God is my refuge and strength. A very present help in the time of trouble. Oh, my friend, let me tell you something. I can look up to heaven and say, Woo! The Bible says rejoice not because the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Amen. Somebody sitting there, here he goes preaching on praise again. Does he not know I'm Midwestern? Does he not know I'm an introvert? Well, does God not know you're Midwestern? Does God not know you're an introvert? Because he's the one that told you to do it, not me. I'm just telling you what God said. Amen. Praise him. Amen. Thank him. Give glory unto him. Why? Because he's worthy. 
He is worthy. It, it, I'm telling you, it is one of the greatest acts of faith. What you don't realize, the Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. If you, if you can't learn to be thankful, it's because your faith is small. But here's the cool thing. If you, if you start being thankful, your faith will grow. Why? Because it's hard to praise God when things are going bad. It's hard to praise God when you're going bad. It takes some faith to say, you know what, in spite of that, I just got to bless His sweet holy name. Amen. At least I'm going to heaven. Amen. I'm blood-bought. Amen. I'm saved. We can be thankful. But so their ingratitude, that's one of the reasons that God was having to judge them here. Hosea 2, 5 through 9. Their insincerity. Their insincerity. In other words, their hypocrisy. Their hypocrisy. Hypocrisy has destroyed many a church and many lives. But in love, he goes and gets her. And I'm closing with this. Look over in chapter number 3, verse 1. The Bible says, Then said the Lord unto me, Go, yet love a woman beloved of her friend, yet an adulteress according to the love of the Lord toward the children of Israel who look to the other gods. And, uh, and, and, and I love the fact... Uh, uh, let's see, the flagons of wine and so forth. So I brought her to me for 15 pieces of silver and for an homer of barley and a half homer of barley. And I said unto her, Thou shalt abide for me uh, uh, for me many days. Thou shalt not play the harlot. Thou shalt not uh, be for another man. So will I also be for thee. See, the holiness of God teaches us that you can't go out and, and commit and be, be in sin and still expect the blessings of God. But there's a God that loves us. And here's what I'm closing with is this. I've come to take you home. God said, Hosea, go get her. And I'm glad I want to tell you something today. God is here to get you. Amen. He's here to bring you home. Amen. It doesn't matter where you are. Listen, this woman, this, this, this harlotrous woman, this adulterous woman that had turned her back on the Lord. I mean, and turned her back on Hosea. This woman who even could deny the, the tender cries of her own children. The tender cries of mercy and of grace and of love. She could deny all that. Oh, many of us lose patience at that point and say, no way. But I'm telling you, God gives us an illustration, Hosea. He says, Hosea, go get her. Oh man, and Hosea says, alright, I'm going. I'm going to get her today. <laughs> Going to get her today. Where are you going today, Jose? Why are you dressed up so good? Why are you smelling so good? Why did you clean up so well? I'm going to get her, boys. You're going to get who? I'm going to get Gomer. And they're looking like. And you're happy about that? You're excited about that? He said, I mean, he puts the smell of on. He, he puts the slickum in his hair. Man, he gets his shoes shined up. He's looking really good. He does a few push-ups before he heads out. And he says, I'm going to get her. I'm going to get her, boys. And here he goes. And he goes to this place. And guess what he has to do? He has to purchase her. And the Bible doesn't tell us all the, the events surrounding him having to purchase her. But I, I, I can imagine this woman being on the auction block. See, he redeemed her. Well, see, by this time, she had wasted many years. I want to let you know something. Have you ever seen how sin can destroy youth and sin can destroy beauty? 
I mean, I'm telling you, she was probably still, perhaps she was just still a younger woman in her 30s or something, but she probably looked much older, older than that, wrinkled up, leathered up. I mean, just the marks of sin all over her body. She had been used. She had been abused. But I'm telling you, there probably wasn't much price going for this old thing. This old bag uh, that had given so much of herself away. I mean, and some people thought, well, maybe she'd be good for cleaning. But Hosea looked at her and says, no, she's good for loving. That's my woman, and I'm going to get her back. And he comes, and the Bible says he brings this silver. And the Bible says he brings the barley. And he brings uh, uh, the, 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 the half homer of barley. And uh, he brings the silver. And somebody says he was bringing this grain. And what he was trying to say was he was the first one to come and say, I love you, a bushel and a peck. Amen. <laughs> he said, this is how much I love you. This is what I'm paying. I'm going to get you back. He was willing to pay a price, amen. And he carried that little woman home with him, amen. And he says, honey, from now on, it's just going to be me and you. Oh, man, honey, we're going to do everything together. I can't wait to spend the rest of our lives together, you sweet little thing. I mean, you've got to read between the lines, but it's in there, amen. He went back and he loved her. And you know what that does? That shows what God will do with you. Your rebellious hide. Your sinful hide. Amen. Your adulterous hide. God says, you know what? I love her. And people, people, we may even look sometimes and be like, God loves that one. Hey, by God's grace, we ought to know something. God does love that one. Amen. And that's why we, by God's grace, it doesn't matter what somebody's looking like, smelling like, uh, anything else. Amen. We look at them, we say, oh yeah, we know how precious they are to God. Amen. I mean, God loves them. God's crazy about them. God's crazy about them. He really is. He's crazy about you. He wants to save you today. If you're saved, He wants to restore you today. He wants to cleanse you. You say, well, I'm not good enough for church. I'm not good enough for this. I'm not good enough for that. Well, I'm telling you something. There's a God in heaven that says He wants you. Amen? He wants you. He's paid the price. He's paid the price. And He's come to take you home today. Amen? Let's all stand, please, this morning as the pianist comes. Think about it is, just like we have a choice... Gomer had a choice. I'm so glad this morning that she chose to go home with Hosea. Hosea, the great love prophet, the great lover prophet. There's a God that loves you today. There's a God that wants to save you today. There's a God that wants to restore you. Hey, are you being 90% faithful to God? Are you living in hypocrisy? Man, that's not what we're about around here. Don't be hypocritical. If we've got sin in our lives, man, confess it. Get some help with it. Get it right. Get somebody to pray for you. Man, I'm struggling with this. But don't go around trying to put on a mask and act like you're something you're not. Just get some help. Amen. Get some help this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, dear Lord, for the great, great message in the book of Hosea. Lord, this man that had to go marry a woman that nobody else probably would have wanted nothing to do with. But God, that's how we are. The devil tells us we're useless. I wonder what, I wonder what Gomer thought about herself. Her own stanky self. I bet she thought pretty poorly of herself. And I'm telling you, there's some people in here this morning that think pretty poorly of themselves. There are some people in here this morning that maybe can't hardly stand themselves. They can't hardly stand to look at the mirror. They feel like abject failures. They feel like there's, no, there's hardly any reason to even be on this earth anymore. 
They, they struggle to find purpose. They struggle to find meaning. God, they go here and there to try to find refuge and not being able to truly find satisfaction. And they think to themselves, well, I've tried religion and I've tried church. Well, that's not what they need. They need a Savior. They need You, Lord. And help them to see that today, Lord. I've tried Jesus. No, you've tried church. You've tried religion, but you haven't tried Jesus. Amen.